Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ... How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Supernova International Ska Festival started out modestly enough as a 2013 show with Chris Murray and King Django. It wasn't called the Supernova International Ska Festival. In fact, for the next few years, as it developed into an actual festival, it changed names a few times. The 2014 One Day Brewfest and the 2015 Two Day Virginia Ska Festival. In 2017, they settled on the name Supernova International Ska Festival. The lineup included Derek Morgan, Agrolites, The Skints, Pilfers, Sammy K, Hub City Stompers, Pie Tasters, and many others. The festival has only grown. This year, 2023, is looking to be the biggest and best lineup so far. Now at Virginia's historic Fort Monroe, Supernova is a three-day festival with bands from all over the world, every era of ska, and every type of ska. Just a few of the amazing acts playing Supernova this year include Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra, Don Letts, Suicide Machines, The Duelers, Catbite, Bat Operation, Fishbone, Planet Smashers, and Out of Control Army. Today we speak with co-founder Tim Receiver. He founded the festival with his wife, April Receiver. And we talk with creative director Mike DiMatteo. I've never really been a big festival guy. However, more recently... I'm feeling these festivals, most particularly Supernova. Yeah, I think that festivals need to be ska or punk focused. Otherwise, forget about it. Right. And I also don't want it to just be a nostalgia fest. Like, it's fine to have some legacy bands that from back in the day, but I want new bands too. Like, one of the best things about going to shows and seeing live music, in addition to seeing bands that you love, is discovering new bands. Yeah. Supernova this year, and they've announced the lineup at this point. Amazing lineup. We have bands from all over the world. We have bad time bands. We have ska punk bands from the 90s. We have um, traditional ska, ska core. It really, I feel like it covers the full spectrum of ska right now. Yeah. And that's exactly what I think a ska festival should be. And that's what we're about, the full spectrum. Yeah. But in defense of ska, we are about the full spectrum. By the way, um, before we get in our conversation with Tim and Mike of Supernova, we want to let you know that we have a relationship with them for Supernova this year. 
we'll announce it and give more specific details in April or May. But just for now, just know that we have we worked something out for Supernova for In Defense of Ska for 2023. Maybe you'll see us there. Let's start by talking about the Rude Girl Review. This is something that debuted at Supernova. Tell me a little bit about Rude Girl Review from your guys' perspective. Yeah, um, last, um, th- this is probably like beginning of 2021 at this point. Um, Kristen from the Scotch Bonnets reached out and, you know, just threw the idea out of a kind of a, a super group with, um, you know, all the, we had several bands coming, um, Half Past Two and and the Scotch Bonnets and, you know, Hubs, Jenny from Hub City. And, you know, they had quite a lot of, um, a lot of women in the, in the bands last year and they wouldn't put together this group. And anyway, we just gave them the, the green light to do it. We gave them a, a great spot. Um, they, they were like the, I think the pilfers closed on Friday night, but they were played right before and, you know, prime time and yeah, it worked out, you know, extremely well for us and for them. And, you know, they've kind of gone around the world with that now and they're, they're going to be back with us obviously next year. So wasn't their name originally called something with the name supernova in it? Yeah. Well, we actually, I think they, they were, it was like codenamed supernovas or something. Okay. <laughs> which I, I kind of like that, but it kind of, it's limiting maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know that it wasn't your idea, but I think supernova is part of the story because of what you said about how there was all of these bands that were already going to be at this festival. So it became a logistically possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, there's not quite as many this time around. Like a lot of those bands aren't coming back. Uh, some of them are. Um, so I'm going to, you know, kind of wait and hopefully it, it all works out again, but they're going to be playing and, you know, there'll be different women led bands there. Uh, some we haven't announced yet. Um, we're going to go see one of them tomorrow, bite me Bambi in DC, mm-hmm. uh, which is great, but, yeah, it could, you know, maybe it could lead to another collaboration or combination of of women on the stage. Is that the, has there ever been any other made up bands or brand new bands at Supernova? Yeah, there's, well, I think it's going to be more obvious this time around, but there was a band called Droogs Don't Run. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that has members of um, uh, Inspector 7, Hub City Stompers and uh, Skoidats, right? Goydets, yeah. So that's that's one that they formed just for Supernova for uh, well, twenty twenty originally, and then last year. And some of the Skoydets couldn't make it. Um, we still ended up having Justin from the Skoydets, and they did you know three Skoydet songs last year, very well received. And this time around, we've got that whole group coming back, um, and then everybody that was missing last time, and we've given them like a solid hour. So yeah, that that could be a lot of fun and. You know, it's just a giant super band of all the, the Inspector Seven HCS and Squidance people. Is it? Do they do they play like whatever songs from that pool of songs from those bands? Is that what they do, or do they do unique stuff? Uh, so far, it's been songs from those bands. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, I don't know if they'll do anything unique. I, I doubt it. Um, I know Rude Girl; they had a couple originals at the show last year. Yeah. But uh, as far as I know, I don't know if Travis is planning on putting any, any new music out with just that group. But I, I doubt it. I think it's going to be playing the hits. So um, in the film Pick It Up, Scon the 90s, there were several interviews uh, filmed at Supernova, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a credit to my wife who you know helps run the festival, obviously. And she was... Um, she was working with Taylor closely and, and scheduled all those interviews around Fredericksburg. So 
it's it's not cited in there, but the, you know, there's a lot of interviews at the at the festival. We shot a lot of stuff offsite with people. Um, I think even Adam from you know he was in the specials. Um, Adam Flymoberch. Um, he actually did an interview in a vault <laughs> at a, at a bank, old bank vault. Oh, it didn't really? make the cut. I was I was looking for you know maybe the the cuts and everything, but I never saw it. But would have been a good interview, I'm sure. I wonder if I have that because I almost ended up editing some of that, so I got shipped a hard drive because I'd love to see that one. That I mean, a bank location sounds like a great great interview <laughs> setup coming from a production standpoint. I wonder what the sa- what it would sound like in there though. Yeah, well, nowadays because of you know all the audio tools if you're worried about reverb and stuff like that, you could take a, a, a lot of it out. And, you know, to be honest, as, as a sound mixer and a, you know, producer, like sometimes I'll look at it and I'm just like, all right, that, that interview looks great. So let's figure out what we got to do to make the audio, you know, sound good enough to, to play it as long as you can hear it. Right. Cause uh, you know, then you get yeah. the best of both worlds when you get audio and video and you get a cool shot and it sounds good enough. Because I don't know, it sounds pretty cool in a vault. I'll tell you that. Well, if you find it, let me know. <laughs> I'd love to see that. And that, if you've ever talked to Adam for five seconds, he's he's one of the funniest people on the planet. I think. Do you know who else was uh, did their interview um, around Supernova? Mike and Ronnie from Spring Hill Jack did it. Ronnie, um, Chris Murray, Dan Pottis. <laughs> Dan was in the back of his van in a pouring it rained the whole weekend that weekend. Oh, right. That's another great interview look that they came up with. And I know that must have been hell because it was pouring. <laughs> it was pouring. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. This was 2018 or seven? seven? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like Memorial Day weekend, 2018. And it it was a mud storm for sure. Like mud <laughs> everywhere. So, okay. Th- was this during the whole festival or just like one day? It rained. Well, we, it was a Saturday, Sunday. It was only two days in 2018. And it rained both days, like all day. Um, it cleared up a little bit at the night each night, but it uh, it got to the point we probably lost three or four hours to rain on Saturday and at least a couple hours on Sunday. And it was a little bit of a panic mode because, you know, trying to get everybody to play and, you know, everybody to see at least 30 or 45 minutes of their set. And we, we, we got everything in, thankfully, but... Yeah, it was a, a lot of a break, and there's some really great video of of Chris Murray and, and um, Josh Coots and and a lot of the Scott people do, like doing impromptu concerts underneath the tents with people. Huh. And it was you know something that you know a lot of people remember from that weekend is is that kind of acoustic sets under the tent during thunderstorms, which is probably not a good idea. <laughs> While Tim wanted to you know hide. Cause it was pouring rain all the, all weekend, <laughs> but everybody else was having a great time. I, I just remember we got out of that rain delay after three hours and Westbound was the band kicking everything off afterwards. And we, they cranked the sound up so loud and the bass up so loud. It, it was so good. But the, the cops ended up showing up from noise complaints <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being fine, but they, they sounded so good. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great set to come out of. Now wasn't was this the year that uh, Doctor Ringding was playing and that the lightning was happening during his set? Yeah, yeah. There, there was a he was he was being backed by Eastern Standard Time, and there was like a and we were, we were tracking the radar and tracking the, the storms coming through, and there was just a, a a stray lightning bolt above the stage, not right above, but 
you know, higher up. And anyway, we turned everything off, obviously got everybody out of there. And that was the the beginning of <laughs> the rain delay. Yeah, yeah. I bet that must have been a little scary. Well, I, I used to be a weather forecaster for 10 years. And yeah, it's just, you know, and, and been on the swim team and kind of following the same, you know, okay, we'll wait 20 minutes for, you know, thunder before we started up again. And every time we get to close to 20, a thunderstorm, you know, another bolt would, would hit off in the distance or, you know, we hear thunder and we put it on pause again. So yeah, it, did, it was a little scary for sure. So 2020, you have a normal festival planned, but COVID happens and you do some uh, quarantine edition stuff, but you also turn that into a fundraiser for the Alpha Boys School. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we like we got going in 2019 and like with ticket sales and everything was looking great. And we've we still never made a profit on the festival, which is hopefully we we switch and, and make that happen this time around. That's the goal. But, um, you know, with, <laughs> with with 2019, it was like, OK, we're finally getting everything. You know, it's it's looking great. And then COVID and we put a pause on it till 2021, like everybody else did. And we did the, a fundraiser, a virtual fundraiser with, I think we ended up with 75 bands from around the world contributing tracks to that. And we ended up raising 13,000 for, for Alpha for that. And it gave us a little bit of a motivation. We did a, a charity record, a global ska record, like the year after, and raised another, I think at this point, like $10,000, $11,000 additional. So yeah, we've got a good partnership with Alpha and and I'm hoping that they come up to the festival, bring some students, bring some musicians with them uh for 2023. So Alpha Alpha Boys School was uh is part of the story of the formation of ska. A lot of the Scottalites members and other musicians of that time in Jamaica attended the school, learned about jazz and stuff like that, learned how to play instruments. Um what is the story of Alpha Boys School now in terms of its relationship to Jamaican music. Yeah. Well, they still have uh, music lessons and, and music production. It's, you know, teaching skill sets to, to students. Um, so they still do a lot of that. Like, obviously like Sky isn't quite as big as in Jamaica, even as it was, you know, back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, but that's starting to come around a little bit where they're they're They've done some tracks. we, we raised some money for them to to record some some records, um, at least at least one record that we're going to release at Supernova next year. Oh, cool! Like a vinyl uh, seven inch, where they're doing some Minto and they're doing some ska. So you know, it's um, I, I don't think it's as important. Like ska is not as important as it used to be, but you know, we're trying to you know get people interested in it again there. Get the you know some of the students that are interested in it getting them up to Supernova where maybe they play with some bands next year. You know, the kids that are working on music production, for instance, would be working with, um, with our sound team to, you know, to produce the show. So real world experiences. That would be awesome. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I can't remember which year it is. You had Derek Morgan play supernova 60th anniversary, his 60th anniversary as a performer. What year was that? Yeah, that was 2017. That was 2017, uh, backed by Western Standard Time Orchestra. It was uh, that was Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard, uh, yeah, because they're locals, right? Yeah, Rich, Richmond, DC, like Baltimore, like yeah, they're they're great. And 
you know, they, they've been with us uh, since I think 2015, they played that show and well, you know, we've been friends with them forever and uh, they're a great bunch of musicians and it, they're as close to a house band as we, we have right now, <laughs> but you know, anybody that comes to play, you know, they'll probably be backing Dr. Rengding for 2023. They backed Derek Morgan. You know, we've had other plans with bigger musicians uh, that just have fallen through or haven't come through yet, you know, but uh, yeah, it was great. And I think the hardest part with Derek was just trying to get a hold of him initially. But after that, he's a, you know, total pro. Like he, I don't know if you, you've probably seen him in California for some of those shows. I have, yeah. But he, he has a, uh, you know, a horrible back um, where he, you know, he, for 2017, he was down on his back the entire weekend where he didn't even stand um, at all. And then he got to the show and, you know, they, he got up on stage and had a cane, but you wouldn't have known he had any, you know, back issues at all. You, you know, he just brought the heat all that whole set. It's really great. He headlined, right? Yeah, he had, for sure. Yeah. Like if he played any of our shows, he'd had headline at all. <laughs> How was the? How did the crowd receive uh, Derek Morgan? Oh, I think I think it was a, a great crowd. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of energy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you know they they either know the songs or they know the covers of the songs from other people. So singing along to every word, and you know a big swath of the audience, rec- you know they know who he is and knows what he represents. So yeah, yeah, I think it was special, and you know it, the Agrilites were there. Chris Murray introduced him and. You know, it was, uh, I think for, for me, it was probably the, the most special night of the festival ever. Yeah, I bet. So you, uh, you, you got uh, Hepcat to come to the East Coast for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, well, we had them and then we didn't have them and then we had them again. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> the old secret behind the scenes panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hear about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, sh- I should talk to Greg about it just to make sure, you know, I, I don't know the exact details, but. You know, I think they were playing Riot Fest on Saturday and they were playing our festival on Sunday. And I think with just COVID and everything, it was probably a little scary to kind of bounce around the country for all them. Because that's, you know, it's not their day job for a lot of them, you know, but they they ended up backing out of ours and, it, you know, we were devastated. Um, but then um, they got a little pushback online. I know Greg, Greg kind of hyped it up at the time, but, you know, people were asking you know, why they were canceling on us and, you know, how how it was kind of rude to do that. And um, anyway, they ended up up coming around where they, Greg got them all on board and sold it to them and and they recommitted to Supernova. Yeah. And and caused me like a month of like really (laughs) (laughs) panic-inducing moments. (laughs) How do you replace a a Hepcat on a bill? And, and, you know, they don't make, they don't make trips over here as, as much. Yeah. It's not just Hepcat. It's Hepcat's first show in the, in the area in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. And that was the first thing we announced. So it's, it's like kind of what you're hanging your hat on, you know, and we, we ended up like, as soon as they backed out, we offered less than Jake, but somebody in the band had a wedding that weekend and couldn't make it. And then we offered English beat, but they were on the West coast and they were really worried with COVID like, being able to get all the way to the East coast and make the show. So by, by the time Eastern or uh, English beat said they couldn't make it, Greg had come back and anyway, it all worked out in the end. How did you talk him into doing it in the first place? I'm sure they gotten, they've been, people have been asking for them to come out there for a while. Yeah. Well, we, we've had Greg, we had him out here in 2017 and 2018. Like he was, he was 
being backed by, we were calling it the agro pie cats out of a lack of another name, <laughs> but it was like the agro lights and pie tasters were backing him for his songs, yeah. you know, for Hepcat songs. And then um, the next year we had him out for Western standard time. Um, he was singing with them and uh, Doreen Schaefer was out here singing with them as well. And, and Chris Murray. So he'd, he'd been out a couple years before that. Okay. And we were, you know, we had talked about that before with him, like getting, you know, next step is Hepcat out here. And, you know, it's all Greg Lee, like making that happen. I see. So any highlights of the Hepcat show once it actually happened? Oh, the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was special. Yeah. I really want to re- release that record. So Greg, Greg Lee, if you're listening, <laughs> hit us up. It sounds amazing. And we have some great video to go along with it. And it was like, I don't know, that, that, that made the entire festival for me, like in a package. There's, there's a lot of other pieces that come together, right? But like when they were up there, I was like, yeah, okay, this is all, this is like complete right now. Has Supernova done other live releases? Uh, we only, the only thing we put out is uh, Derek Morgan's live album and all the money went to Gray, or to, to Derek. Gotcha. But that was, it was all digital. Um, but we, we recorded everything. Um, you know, Mike was working on the, obviously the live stream last year, recorded everything. Sounds wonderful. We've got all the bands and it's one of the options that we're looking at now is maybe releasing like four or five of the band's live albums mm. at Supernova since they sound so good. And we're taking them back to the studio and Greg DeCrosta from Ska fame. He'll hate that I mentioned this, but he played in a band called JC Super Ska way back in New Haven in the, in the 90s when, when I mean, that's basically the reason uh, I got into Ska. But um, he's a ridiculous audio engineer and mixer. So he's taken them back. We, we edited everything, made it sound clean, and uh, remixed everything. So even though people may have heard it on the live stream and it sounded great, because our house sound team is, is awesome. When we brought it back in the studio, now it sounds like a record, right? It sounds like that yeah. perfect mixture of, of like live crowd feel, but tightness mm-hmm. of an album that, you know, they recorded in a studio. And they're, they're they, Hepcat especially was so on point. It was ridiculous to think that, you know, they also, it's not like they're out there playing 300 shows a year, right? Like, they're just super pro and they just, they're great. They're professional musicians and yeah. they know how to nail it. And it, you would thought that they were, you, you would thought that they were on the road for, you know, 200 shows a year, the way they were so tight. It was crazy. Yeah. And j- just to be aware, like Mike D gets paid a dollar by the city of New Haven, Connecticut, every time he mentions them on air. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, Hepcat was that was the first time all night, uh, all weekend. Even we we did three three days in a row, like ten hour days, and that was the first time I sat down like all that entire time I was running around with my head cut off. Otherwise, and it was yeah, it was it was pretty special after everything that had happened with you know in and out and just all the years trying to get them out here. Was, you know that, that was a really great moment. So you uh, you tried to get Planet Smashers out, um, but maybe was it last year? Oh yeah, yeah we we had um, yeah the Planet Smashers were going to come out, and obviously COVID, and it was it's pretty expensive for them to come down just for for one show off of you know one of the visas that they have to 
to pay for. So we, we just kind of put that on hold. We brought Bucko nine instead. And then, you know, they're going to be playing, um, Planet Smasher is going to be playing in 2023. Yeah. Is that been a, uh, dealing with an, being an international festival now has work visas and, and all of that been a, a difficult thing to navigate? It normally hasn't been, but with COVID it was, um, I, I, there, there was a point last year where Dr. Ringden was trying to get into the country and he had he trained all the way out to, I think to Paris and then flew to Ireland and was trying to get out and he got stopped. And, you know, we had several other bands from, from different places that they couldn't get in last year. And we, we saw it far enough ahead of time to, to kind of reschedule. Why did he get stopped though? Was he not allowed to come over? Yeah, it was a, like U.S. COVID requirements, and he wasn't—he didn't have COVID. It was just the, you know, the visas he was on, and I don't know. It, it was—he he tried about everything to get in. I see. Yeah, he, he looked devastated though. <laughs> he called us from the show, like on video, and was, yeah, he was super sad to not make it. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. But let's see. Um, Cooley ranks um, some years back did a a set with toasters. Uh, they did like dub 56 songs. Yeah, they, they did that in 2017 and he did it again with them in in last year at the last one. That's cool. Does he sit in with them much these days? I don't, I'm not, I don't like hearing much of him doing that. It depends if, if, if he's around him and bucket, I've, I've seen them, you know, over the past decade, do it quite a number of times. Okay. And it's, it's like, it's just good to see that when, when they're together. And there's that possibility because it just kind of brings you back to that certain time in ska. Yeah. Yeah. There was just something about that, that band, the toasters at that time with that lineup. Yeah. I mean, that must be an East coast thing then since Cooley lives out there. Cause every time toasters comes out here, I've never seen it's just whatever they're touring with. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. If it, if you know, something happens in New Haven or, uh, there we go. I get another check mark, right? I get another dollar. <laughs> Two dollars. Um, I've seen it a couple times in New York um, when I go hang out with Bucket or, you know, Cooley and vice versa. Somebody will pop in. Usually, usually Bucket's there and then Cooley will kind of navigate his way where nobody knows he's coming. And then boom, it's like, what's up, Mike? I'm like, oh, you're here. I figured I'd see you. Um, <laughs> and then they make something happen. Nice. And Cooley does his thing. I just enjoy it because there's Cooley's told me on video somewhere too, but just some of the stories about recording, mm-hmm. especially dub 56 and how he went in with Matt Malice and, you know, there might've been some wine involved and Cooley would just spit a take or two and just nail the things that you hear on the record. It's just, you know, there's no, there's no editing. It's really just stop and start. Yeah. And, and when you think about that, you're like, it's just crazy to think about somebody that can spit things that fast. Yeah. And then you see it now and you're like, all right, they still got it. And there may or may not be something live coming out maybe sometime soon that features that. Mm. I found this uh, review that somebody wrote uh, on uh, um, supernova festival. It was called three days of skinheads, Hawaiian shirts and cider. <laughs> is that a fair, uh, disc- is that a fair headline for uh, supernova? I, I'd say like minus the cider, <laughs> like there wasn't a lot. There, there, there's a cider house not too far away, so maybe that's what they mean. But we we were at a brewery last year, and like they didn't have. It's more beer. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll have more cider this time around, so it'll probably be truer in 2023. Yeah, there's going to be a little more selection now outside of just the beer realm. But you know how festivals and, and parties like this work. People find their beverage of choice. Yeah. Where they may find it. Yeah. So the um, actually, so the real the real thing I wanted to mention about that review is that they consistently talk about after parties. Can you tell? Can you talk a little bit about uh, supernova after parties? Yeah. Well, we we've um, I think this time around we'll we'll have even more after parties. Um, we're 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 trying to do something with uh, Don Letts ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So we'll have kind of like some pre parties going on that that should be phenomenal. And we're we're starting to plan out some some after parties right now. We've got a, a huge uh, National Guard headquarters, like this building that's it's now a distillery and a brewery, and it, it holds probably eight hundred people. So we're we're planning some really good ones right now. But before the like there were there were some crazy parties that involved I don't know the dendrites if that rings a bell mm-hmm. out of Colorado. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they they had some crazy after party in a some an Airbnb backyard. And I, I guess the cops showed up and and they love Scott too, so it wasn't a problem. You know, but that's what everybody I I come back the next morning and everybody's, you know, they're they're just raving about this this after party that the Dendrites had on a Saturday night. What about that hotel? That hotel party when it was like when I was playing with Springfield Jack that night. And we had, to, we had to leave early in the morning, but the rest of the band definitely partook in that because I barely slept because I heard them and the pie tasters outside. How many hotel rooms? There's like, there were hundreds of hotel rooms at this Fredericksburg, Virginia, like hotel. And they were great. And th- there was, there would be parties all night there. And I'd show up and I would talk to the, the management and I'd say like, any problems? Even though I heard it, you know, at four in the morning when I was there picking people up. And they're like, no, no problems at all. It's all everything's great, <laughs> dude. It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, those those they must be the greatest people in the world because <laughs> there's a lot of action. Going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I gotta. I think the the craziest. Well, I, I showed up there one time. Like Western Standard Time called me, and I don't know if you know how they're they're a huge band, and everybody has to fly back, and it's not cheap. And they were missing two guys. And so Eton calls me and he says, you know, I got these two guys, they're missing in action. Like their flights are up, you know, it's an hour away for the airport. And he says, like, if you know, you don't have to, like, you don't owe us anything. Like, but if you, if, if you find them and could bring, you know, be forever grateful, you know, so I go to the, go to the hotel and everything is still going really hard. And like it's 430 in the morning and everything's still going. And he gives me a couple of hotel rooms to check. And I checked the first one and there's a huge party and the guys are not in there. And he gives me the other one and I, I start banging on the doors, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing some movement, but not really keep banging. And then the door opens and it's, it's Roddy from the specials in there and he's in his underwear <laughs> and, and I'm like looking for these two guys and he's like, I have no idea where they are. <laughs> and anyway, like kind of apologetic, but like, you know, anyway, just yeah. Anyway, specials experience. That's my one of my only experiences with the specials. <laughs> yeah, what an experience. Hopefully it gets better from here. <laughs> you would think that uh there's some adults, I guess. We can call ourselves adults, right? But it's like the same stuff that happens that it was like a college trip or whatever, right? You know, you get left over here, you miss your flight. It's like the same crap still goes on. Because somebody throws a festival and says, Hey, here's all these hotels, here's all these beers, here's all these stages. 
you know, go make your flights. <laughs> Nobody's going to be that responsible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they were just going to New Haven, Connecticut, it's one thing, but like flying to LA is like another. <laughs> oh, if you came here, it'd be even worse. Yep. Okay. So 2013, uh, this is where, this is where it all begins. Uh, Chris Murray hits you up about doing a house show or helping him out with a house show. Is that right? Yep. You, how do you know Chris Murray at this point? Just as being a fan? Yeah, it was it was just a fan. And I, I had just got back. I was working for a nonprofit and I'd just come back from Iraq and I always wanted to do a music festival. And I was there and, you know, I, did, I, I didn't know anything about doing a music festival, but I, I was running events in of, of all places like in Iraq. And I was there for running a conference and we had an explosion close to our hotel and gunfire, you know, kind of came back from that. Like, okay, like I can, if I could do this here, like I can do a music festival. It's not that hard. I don't think, you know, we could figure it out. And so Chris Murray was touring on the East coast and was looking for house parties to kind of fill the gaps. And, you know, I reached out and we'd, put it on, you know, reached out to some friends that we were having Chris Murray at the house and it, it turned into way too many people at our house. So it wasn't too big. So the people were showing up at the house and there was too many or there was just too many people in advance saying, I'm definitely coming. Yeah. Like RSVPing and bringing friends. And so we reached out to a brewery and, you know, we, we gave them the number of people that were going to show up there. And we, we ended up having Django out there as well. Uh, King Django. And um, the, t- the turnout was, you know, better than we thought. and you know, they were buying beers and food and the the brewery manager was super excited about it and, you know, kind of offered the brewery anytime we wanted to have it. We could do anything we wanted to. They had a huge parking lot. So that was really the the very beginning. And, and Chris has been, he played every show since then, which is great. So the uh, first, first year, so 20, 2014, the Supernova Brewfest. Yeah, it was just the Brewfest. It was really horribly named. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and not only was it a bad name like Brewfest, but it, like there was another Brewfest in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Mm. So it was like super confusing on top of everything else. Side tangent: I never, I never thought about this or had any idea until I was researching. Nova, Supernova, Nova means North Virginia. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that never occurred to my brain at all. That went over my head for sure. No, no. And nobody, nobody knows like, you know, in Virginia, it's like Nova's like accepted term. Like everybody talks about it. Um, but we're, we're now we moved the vest- festival down to Southeast Virginia on the North Carolina border. So now we're, we're no longer Northern Virginia. We're like Southeast Virginia. So, but we're going to keep it. Okay. So, uh, so the Supernova Brewfest, uh, Pie Tasters, Chris Murray, Grace and Tony, who are not a ska band. Because the first year is a ska, soul, and rock and roll festival. Yeah, it's really lame, right? <laughs> <laughs> Chris Wigley, Wigley. Yeah, not ska as well. Not ska. The snails were the other one that showed up. Yes. Who? So tell people who was in the snails. Uh, the snails was uh, if if you know Tim Hildebrand from Catbite. Yes. Uh, that was his band, and Todd and. Ben and and like a couple of the guys in Catbiter were in the snails and um, I don't know where Todd is now I've I've seen his name around but uh, anyway they're kind of that, that group kind of moved into Catbite a little bit and yeah. uh, but the snails before that they'd played I think like three years with us so they were you know 
bunch of great guys as well. Grace and Tony was kind of like a, I don't know, like maybe Avett Brothers style, like kind of rock country mix. Yeah. Uh, not, not, I would, I wouldn't book him again, obviously for, for Scott and Chris Weekly <laughs> was a, a high school friend of mine that I've known since I've been about six years old. Uh, so he wanted to play the show and he's more country. It didn't really fit. Um, the whole thing was, um, not well thought out, but the, the end of it was the snails, Chris Murray and the pie tasters. And that all, you know, that's what people showed up for. And, you know, we kind of took that core and kind of moved it into what we called Virginia Scoutfest, like in 2015. How did it, uh, how was the reception or how was the turnout, uh, of the festival itself? The first one, I think maybe we had 300 people. Uh-huh. It wasn't wasn't very much. It, it was in a small parking lot, so it it looked pretty good. You know, not not too empty, but we probably doubled that for the Virginia Scout Fest the next year around. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Okay, so Virginia Scout Festival is still a single day festival. At that point, we had moved it like the 2014 was this like a one day, and 2015 was a two day, and same location. Yeah. So it was a place called the Blue and Gray Brewery. And that, that's the place where we had our first show. Okay. And so uh, who were some of the acts that played on the Virginia Ska Festival? Uh, I mean, the, a lot of the core ones that we have now, um, you know, the Toasters. Um, Mike was actually there uh, with Spring Hill Jack. Um, Pie Tasters. Um, Sammy Kay was there. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the looking at the poster now. The Slackers played, which I should have known that. Um, Chris Murray, Dan P. Uh, the Snails played again. Uh, Murphy's Kids, Sammy K, and a band called 4.0, which is like a local ska band. Oh, you know what happened at that one? While while we were on stage with Spring Hill Jack, we were playing, and I mean Spring Hill Jack's got a long lineage of stuff breaking or going wrong whenever they're playing and this was from the 90s till now and and whether it's a broken pedal or somebody's fallen off stage or who knows what goes on but this time the lights went out like the whole festival lights camera action nothing yeah well let let me let me like talk about that because that that was kind of funny and terrifying like that was um like the first time all weekend where it's like, okay, I just got to go, I got to go take a piss and I, I can, can finally relax. Everything's going great. And was in the bathroom and all of a sudden I just, the music goes off completely like in mid song. And it was also the first time our, our sound guy, his name is Mark Chauvin. He's a, a, a great family friend. Like he's still does our sound. He's a, he's a big Spring Hill fan. So he decides, you know, Spring Hill guys are taking over the soundboard and he'll just relax and he'll sit down and enjoy this moment, you know, with Spring Hill Jack. So it's the first time he sit down all day as well. And what happened is like somebody unplugged the plug for everything and plugged in their cell phone to recharge. <laughs> I got to find the video of that. That actually exists somewhere on video where it's it's just we're playing and then boom, blackout. Yeah. I just know there were like so many people dropping the F-bomb like in our vicinity just because and it took a while to get it all back up. But it's like some I don't know, I even know who was the person. I would never have them back again if I knew who it was that unplugged it. But it's so dumb. 
we don't have that problem anymore. The generators are behind the stage now, but right, and that's why the festival grows. There's generators, there's backup generators, things of that nature, just in case somebody decides to plug in their cell phone charger. So 2016, there's no festival, and then 2017, it's now Supernova International Scott Festival. Yeah. So in 2016, we we had the owner of the brewery passed away. Um, so we, you know, we were thinking about doing it, maybe, maybe not, we're not sure. And then he passed away and it's like, okay, this is, we should just take a break and like rethink everything and kind of took a break to rebrand and, you know, came up with supernova came up with the two days, like, um, you know, really took it to another level. I think with, um, you know, we brought in the suicide machines and Western standard time and Doreen Schaefer and, um, trying to think of like stubborn all-stars and ME 330 and, you know, like the, the quality of bands, I think, you know, not that they were, they were not good before, but like a lot more bands, you know, a lot bigger mix of bands and, and kind of longer days, you know, so that it gave us time to rethink everything and, and get that going for 2017. Was this a stubborn uh, all-stars reunion? Yeah, it was. Okay. Cause they hadn't played in a while, right? No. And we reached out to Django and, you know, got all that set up and, yeah, that, that was a regret too, that we, we got it all together, but it was all the rainstorms and everything. We got to cut all the sets short so they didn't get it to do as much as they wanted to, but, you know, sounded phenomenal. Everybody was, you know, really pleased to see that, that especially on the East coast. It was really big at the time. As you're, so you, 2017, we, we have a couple of years, you're, you've rebranded it, you're building a couple of things I want to talk about. So you start at some point you start utilizing Kickstarter to help funding fundraising for the festival. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we started with, you know, some of like the Hammond B3, we wanted to bring that, but you know, it's like an additional expense and like, well, maybe we could turn on, you know, we, we only need like six or $700 to do that. Like, so we turned that on and got that right away, you know, so helped with, with that kind of thing. And then we, we turned um, in 2019, like when we were starting to sell tickets for 2020, we put a Kickstarter together you know, and, and kind of announced all the bands and, and we were aiming for $70,000 and hit that like in 30 days, which is great. No, it was a, it was Taylor, Taylor, uh, kickstarting pick it up was an influence for you to make that decision. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, watching, watching that all take off, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's useful. Um, you know, this time around, like we kind of, I, you know, I took the, I just kind of went and, got all the headlining bands that we needed from the very beginning. We decided to do a slower rollout this time around since we're so far out. Yeah. So I, you know, I paid for those initial bands with uh, Tokyo Scout Paradise and Fishbone and Pie Tasters, you know, to kind of get all that in the pipeline, you know, so we didn't have to do a Kickstarter this time around. Cause I feel, I feel like if we would have done a Kickstarter this time, like last time around, we showed our entire hand, you know, a year out It turned out to be two years <laughs> out. You know, but this time around, it's like we can kind of keep things closer, you know, make it like exciting over time instead of everything at once. Yeah. Some point in here, uh, you had considered or even attempted to do like an Asian tour, an Indonesia festival. <laughs> yeah. Well, we <laughs> talked with a few bands about d- doing kind of Indonesia, the Philippines, like maybe Japan. Now, it's my understanding that you, you it was actually in the works, but then there was an ISIS attack that disrupted it. Well, I mean, I'd say it was in the works, like planning wise, but there was a, yeah, there was um, a, a terrorist bombing in Jakarta, right when we we're kind of making the call. 
which kind of made it easy to cancel. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, we were trying to get funders and we, you know, we're like, okay, but you need to get the funders, you need to get commitments from the bands. And we were kind of at that tipping point, you know, one way or another. And um, yeah, that, that happened. It was like, okay, fine. We, we won't do that. <laughs> you know, it's maybe, maybe a horrible idea, but it was, you know, we were trying to do like a kind of a coast to coast in Indonesia. And, you know, there's a big ska scene there. There's a, a ska scene in the Philippines. And obviously uh, I lived in Japan for three years and, you know, that's where I got into ska. So I, I know there's a huge scene there as well. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Supernova. Uh, it's the world tour. Would you have, would you have brought bands or would you have used bands from over there? It would have been a combination, mostly, you know, local bands or like Asian bands coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd, we'd probably bring in like, you know, the idea was like three American bands. The Pie Tasters were one of those and, you know, kind of Chris Murray and Dan P and those kinds that you could put backing musicians to, you know, that would be cost effective, but yeah, it's right. You know, might still consider that in the future. It's, it's pretty risky to do that, I think, but it would be fun. Yeah. You don't hear about a lot of bands touring over there. If we can make this year super successful yeah. <laughs> and everybody comes out, guess what? The way Tim operates and his brain works, that stuff will be going around and around and around. And eventually he'll want to go, oh, hey, you know what? Maybe we should try this. That's kind of Tim's MO. Nice. Maybe pre-COVID, that's a great idea. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I interviewed Aaron Barrett from uh, Real Big Fish uh, probably like, 2016 or something like that and he told me that he's like oh we just got back from a indonesia played a big ska festival there ska's huge yeah uh, it just seems so out of nowhere to me i was like wow okay that's awesome look up jakarta and ska and like they've they've got festivals with you know seventy five thousand people there dang it's like taylor swift but like ska <laughs> <laughs> um so covid then 2021 but 2021, you changed the location to Fort Monroe. Yeah. So um, I, I moved down between like in 2018, like we'd moved down to, the, it's close to the beach uh, on the Chesapeake Bay. So I, I took, um, I was already, we, we, had, we had a show in 2018. I took 2019 off and then was planning for 2020 down here. And it's, uh, you know, beautiful spot. It's um, like this little peninsula that that sticks out in the Chesapeake Bay. We're going to be right on the the bay this time around. The the stage is right next to the steps. People can just go right to the beach uh, from there and like in and out all day as much as they want. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an old uh, military decommissioned military fort, and it's interesting that historically it's the the first place where Africans were brought to the New World uh, to go to Jamestown as slaves, and the first place where they were freed during the civil war, um, in 1861. So it's kind of this arc of history. That's, it's really strange in this, in this little fort, but it's a, an old, um, stone fort with moats around it and lighthouses. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of insane, but a a cool spot to be. Huh? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, it looks, I haven't been there yet. Um, but it looks a very, it, it looks like an amazing place to have a music festival. Yeah, we, we kind of get the run of the place. It's like a lot of tourists here during the, obviously, like before Labor Day. But after Labor Day, the fort just gives us the fort, you know, all the parking, like hundreds and hundreds of parking spaces for free. And, you know, they gave us a, a much bigger spot this time around. And the only downside is we have to bring in all, all our own power and infrastructure 
you know, but we're working on that right now. So Tim, you mentioned that you had, um, lived in Japan. I think it was in the early nineties, right? Yeah. Like 93 to 96. Okay. And you, you, did you discover ska while you were there or you just got into ska? Yeah, I did. Well, all, yeah, both. Um, like I had shown up there for like, I, I grew up in rural Indiana and was like huge into like Aerosmith and ACDC and Metallica and all those kind of bands, which is, um, you know, I show up in Japan and there was a, my wife and I, we went to a Aerosmith concert at Yokohama, which like for somebody in rural Indiana, like that is kind of the peak uh, of, of rock and roll and showed up there and it, it was the worst show ever. Um, they phoned it in completely, I thought. And we kind of left there like disillusioned with, you know, <laughs> with, with rock, I guess. And, um, like the next weekend we were down in, in downtown Tokyo and I don't know if you've ever been, but they've got record stores and all these apartment buildings. So every, you know, a lot of these places have their own, like there'd be a, a reggae store and a ska store and a punk store. And they were all, you know, just focused on one style of music like jazz. And we ended up just in the ska store for some reason. And the owner, you know, we were talking about music and he ended up giving me uh, the Voodoo Glow Skulls, um, Who Is This Is, and some Op Ivy and Scatolites and, you know, took that home and just, you know, kind of took it from there and, and came back and spent way too much money like the rest of the time I was in Japan. But anyway, it kind of turned me on to all this different style of music and, you know, all the bands that were, you know, c- kind of getting popular at the time and, you know, I'm I'm seeing Tokyo Sky Paradise there and like thinking that, you know, that, that was way better than anything I'd ever seen at the Aerosmith show. You know, so anyway, <laughs> just kind of switch gears completely. And I, I think I've maybe listened to Aerosmith once or twice, you know, since. But anyway, like Ska's everything now. Mike, let's hear your story, your, your story, your background with Ska. I mean, it started in high school. I got into punk rock. I loved Green Day, and then my cousin was like, hey, I got this band Rancid. So we went up to his house in New Hampshire, and we were listening to all this stuff. And my uncle walked in and was like, who's this band that's got two lead singers (laughs) and sounds like this? And we are like, oh, it's Rancid. And he was like, come downstairs. So we went downstairs (laughs) into the basement, and little did I know that my uncle was like in the whole Boston punk scene, rock and roll scene. And he had every seven inch, every 12 inch specials, madness. It's how I found out about Joe Jackson's how I found out about Elvis Costello and, and all these awesome records. Simultaneously, I decided to become a saxophone player and started getting pretty good, was in the jazz band. And there was, a couple of kids, Greg DeCrosta and Anthony Rosamondo, who played in this group called JC Superska. And Anthony's sister, Carmela, is my best friend. And now she plays with us in Sergeant Skag. But um, we just knew about them because they were in our high school. And we would go to this place called The Tune-In in New Haven, which, for anybody that doesn't know, is basically the CBGBs of Connecticut. And so you'd have literally CBGB's the tune in and then the rat or whatever other club up in Boston and every band came through there. So simultaneously, these things are 
you know, happening. I'm, I'm finding out about, about all this new stuff, but, but then about this old stuff from my uncle. And, you know, one day we just started a band because we wanted to be like Anthony and Greg. And then that's when we met everybody from Spring Hill Jack. And that's what we did every weekend. Um, and then, you know, I kept playing in another band through college called Flip Your For Real. And, you know, it was, it was the heydays of the 90s. So there was a show every day of a weekend, whether it was in a VFW hall at the tune-in Toad's Place. And we would just travel around the area playing these shows. And that's how I got to know Bucket, Cooley. Um, one of Cooley's first shows was down here. Oh, yeah? In New Haven as the Pilfers. Um, so it just became this thing. And, and that tune-in just developed all these bands. And it, you know, they had ska bands, punk bands, hardcore bands. Um, I mean, Hate Breeds from there, Jamie Justice from down here. You know, now we know him as JR, but Peter Wazalewski, who was in Spring Hill Jack and JC Superska, you know, now plays with Les and Jake and Chris Rhodes and Tyler Jones. And it just, it just spawned this whole scene where, you know, we were just kids that wanted to, to play music like, like the people we had saw at our high school. And now look, somehow we're still doing it <laughs> and, and you know and then um you know it just became life for me just that style of music and now we're here trying to put on this festival so we could basically do what we want have the, have this music and everybody comes and hangs out and we create some great memories some great vibes some great music and and really take it to the next level and show people like hey look we're here and this festival is great, and you need to come down here. Okay, so we're recording. We're recording in December of 2022, but we'll we'll air this, I think, in January. Um, I think whenever it is, you guys have finished announcing bands, so we can talk about whoever's on the bill. We won't be spoiling anything. So the the lineup this year. I want to talk about the lineup this year and sort of the thought process behind it. Now I've I've felt like you know previous lineups have been great, but this lineup is just really. Uh, I feel like you've gone up a level, and I feel like it's very well thought out in terms of, really like demonstrating a full spectrum of ska. You hit bands from different time periods that are still playing. You hit bands from different countries. You hit bands that are doing heavy heavy ska core traditional ska everything in between. I feel like I would like to know a little bit about the mission statement of the festival, because it, to me, it feels like there's a, there's a sense of unity that, you know, we're all ska and we're all like part of the scene, like in a, in a way that I haven't really seen demonstrated uh, before by other, by another festival. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a great insight. And I think that's like in 2016, like coming out of that was the, you know, that was some of the thinking that I was trying to interject in there. And it, you know, it's a, it's a super long name, but it was the supernova international ska festival, you know, and we wanted to focus a lot on, you know, getting some of those international bands in. I think it's um, for, for me, it's, you know, wanting to kind of keep the music going past the third wave and, you know, trying to bring in like a mix of young bands and older, ba you know, where they can kind of collaborate, they can kind of see some of these older bands and, and kind of respect, you know, like what, what they're doing. Um, 
you know, I see a lot of growth. Um, I was talking to Matt Wixon about this the other day, but, you know, a lot of growth in the, I mean, you see it in California for sure, but, uh, you know, Latin bands that are coming up are, are great. You know, there's a lot of women-led bands in ska more than, you know, seem to be in the past. And then, you know, there's a lot of bands like the international side that people don't normally get to see or or know about. So, you know, Pannonia All-Star Ska Orchestra is one that you know, we're bringing in next year. Uh, we brought in Adesivo uh, from El Salvador last year. You know, some big bands, I think, you know, but don't really get a lot of press here. But the, like the Duelers haven't played in the U.S. at all. Uh, but they're huge in the UK, I think. Yeah, that was one that I was really fascinated by because uh, I'm not sure exactly how big they are, but I feel like maybe they have hits on the radio. Yeah, yeah. And they've got like millions of views on some of their busking like videos and things that they did. But yeah, pretty much unknown here, except for people who are digging for ska, you know, <laughs> new new ska bands out of the UK that are playing, you know, more traditional sounding kind of stuff. But that's part of, this whole vibe and i think you definitely nailed it with what you know our process was was for thinking about how how do you how do you bring things especially over here that we're not used to seeing and then as we all got into ska at some point right they, we we got in with our gateway and and let's say it was a third wave well we dug and we dug and we dug and we found out about all these bands and, you know, you went from Love and the Voodoo Glow Skulls, which is one of my favorite bands, to, you know, literally like a year later, like Hepcat was like my favorite thing. And then you find out about all these other things in the lineage. So I think that's another way that we bring people into this festival where, you know, Tim's got a great ear. He's also got his, his, his feelers out. And it helps that when you have the festival, people also will, will, will have no doubt the ability to come at you and say, hey, we want to play. But just to find these bands and, and open our audiences' ears here to them. And I think it really just hits that international vibe because you know you, you get bands from other countries and all of a sudden it makes this international ska festival exactly that. And you you know you throw in the American bands that we're used to, but it just, I don't know, it just has this way of spider webbing, which is kind of what's, you know, started ska and kept ska going throughout the decades. Yeah, I, I particularly like that um, you still include those bands too. Like Voodoo Gold Schools is playing. You know, Suicide Machines are playing. It's like you're not you're not having only those bands, and you're also not moving past those bands. Saying, okay, well, we're done with those bands. Let's go on to the other stuff. It's it's all inclusive. I mean, that's one of the things is is to like you know, set that lineage, whether it's from the nineties, whether it's from the eighties, whether it's from the seventies and sixties to now, what, what are bands doing out there? Right. Like voodoo, they, they changed their lead singer, right? Frank is no longer there. Yeah. And you add somebody else in and they, they've found a way to like keep the aesthetic for real, but like their new stuff, it's like opening other people's ears to it. Right. Oh, the Voodoo Glow Skulls. Because some people might not even realize that 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 it did occur. You know, they changed the lead singer. But you get that same energy on stage. And it's it's one of those things where it's like if you bring in one fan from this band and you get them to the place, now they're gonna pick up two or three other bands because of the bill. 
And they're going to be like, oh, wow, now I'm fans of those bands. And I think that's what festivals allow you to actually, you know, undertake. Whereas it's a little different when you have touring bands because it's a lot of, you know, this band, this band, this band. We, we know that what we're going to get when we go to that show. Yeah. I don't, I'm not like dissing this festival, but the Back to the Beach Festival didn't necessarily appeal to me because it seemed like it was too much leaning on this retro sort of thing. And to me, that was, kind of, yeah, like, I, I'm not really, you know, I don't really want to necessarily go relive this period of time. You know, I'm not, I'll probably see those individual bands when they come through, but like the vibe of it doesn't quite appeal to me, but the vibe of what you guys are creating is like timeless. Ska is timeless. And here, here it is. Yeah. I kind of like looking at that, it felt more like a, yeah, like a, a museum, maybe, you know, it's like a, like a time capsule. Whereas, you know, a lot of the bands we try to bring in are, you know, most of those are still working bands or do, you know, they're still touring. Yeah. You know, um, you know, hard, hard working bands. Not, not that the people at back to the beach weren't, but. Well, I think that, that festival, right. Like Feldman put that on. So, and, and it was supposed to be the back to the beach was kind of like that vibe. Yeah. Right. That movie, um, all those bands from the West coast. Right. So it had that thing, but I think the, the supernova international ska festival especially this year is is the culmination of of tim's brainchild and and bringing it into you know a festival that people look at whether it's fans bands or let's just say even in this aspect advertisers and they go wow what are they doing here they're curating a whole genre of music where all these fans can attach to their certain favorite bands there but when they come here, they're going to get a variety and they're going to get this look at different styles of bands and different music within this kind of genre, which is so huge. And they're going to come and enjoy it. And it's going to have that vibe. And I think that's really what we're going for. And, and I yeah. think that's what we're looking to establish at this year's festival is that. And when people look at that, it goes, the art makes sense. The bands make sense. The booze makes sense. The food makes sense. The the party makes sense. The people coming makes sense, and the bands make sense. Yeah, because I, I feel like back to the beach again. Not to not to focus too much on that, but I feel like people that have no interest in ska or haven't been paying attention to ska, it's like it's almost like th- they get that. They understand what that is, and that fulfills exactly their concept of ska. Yeah. But I'm sure they would look at your lineup and be like, what the hell is this? I don't even know what this is. Who is this? But people, <laughs> exactly. the people that are actual active Scott listeners do, they get it. Yeah. And I think also though, for, for, for fans that may see a suicide machines on that bill or somebody else, that's their gateway drug. Yeah. When they come to the, to the location, they're going to vibe out and they're going to be like, oh, these people aren't messing around. This isn't just some patched together thing like this was well thought out and i think when they come people will go oh this is the real deal what a festival this was and they'll 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 see their favorite band that brought them here but they'll bump into another two or three bands and i think that's where that's where that digging in the crates feel of like old school hip-hop right like how am i gonna dig in this crate and find this record that was sampled on this song and now i'm a 60 soul fan this is the digging of the crates of ska music right here but it's just live and direct in people's faces, in people's ears. Nice. Okay, so you got 
Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra headlining Saturday night. It's nuts. It's insane. Is there, okay, was this a tough get? Because this blew my mind that you got this band. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, do you know uh, John Pantle? Who's that? He's the, he's the manager of uh, the Slackers. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Sound talent group. Um, as soon as we finished, like on Sunday night last year, like he reached out like five minutes later and said, you know, Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra, you know, he was like booking them in the U.S., you know, like, are you interested? And it, w- it wasn't a hard get. It was a, like a tough negotiation. Sure. Um, but we, we probably overpaid, but we really, you know, we, th- we really wanted that kind of anchor that, that excitement from the very beginning. And I thought that was the band that would, would give that to us. Definitely. I think that's, that says it all. Honestly, that says it all. You got Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra, the whole, the whole, it's three days of great bands, but that says it all. Well, when you're putting together a festival, that literally says international in it. Yeah. Especially now <laughs> when what we're thinking of, like you got to go big. And I think that, listen, if you want Tim to go big, give him a year off. Now, whether that's because <laughs> of something that happens or his wife threatens him, if April threatens him, whatever it is, give him some time because he'll find the way to spark his wife's interest again and then dive into this whole insanity that we're doing now and get another crazy person, i.e. the guy from New Haven, involved. And Four dollars. Right? I'm, I'm, dude, I got to make some money because right now, are we making any money with the festival? <laughs> <laughs> are we profitable yet? <laughs> um, but that, like, you give him time, and, and especially uh, on my end, which I'm sure we will get into, right? Like, give, give creative some time, and things will get weird in a good way. But that's the kind of crazy ideas like, oh, we have an international ska festival. Um, who's probably the biggest band? Oh, they just closed the Olympic ceremonies that we all saw on NBC. <laughs> well, geez, we should probably go try and get them. So you said you, you overpaid. And I, you know we can't ask how much you paid, but uh, what, what type of car would you be able to afford with that guarantee? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> well, that's the other problem is that, you know, when we were putting these together, the deals, you know, like in, in, in the financial situation currently of, of the country, you know, there was a lot of inflation and, and, and getting, getting a squad like that over from Japan is, is yeah. no matter what you're going to either overpay. And, and to, to be quite honest, they're probably not getting paid enough to do right. this trip for the people, but you know, they do it for the love. Yeah. They understand the promotion. They want to play a great festival. We'd love to have them. But yeah, when you start inking some of these checks, it's like, oh boy. <laughs> That's scoflation. 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 Jeez. We were we were trying to launch them like in mid-September. And I, I put out an offer and then it was kind of accepted, but not really yet. And so we were kind of making plans to still launch in September. And we got a couple weeks out and they're like, nah, we need more. And we ended up going with the original offer, but you know, we were kind of frantic because we we were working with um, the artist Nan Coffee on our poster designs and kind of doing, you know, planning a release every month of a, a poster with special bands on it. You know, so we already kind of had all that being, you know, it was, it was getting kind of finished up. And so we were kind of in panic mode and, you know, who else could we get if we don't get Tokyo Scott Paradise? You know, how long can we wait on them to make a decision? You know, because they're, they're super busy, you know, but they ended up coming around and, we got to launch it when we wanted to launch it and it had a great, um, 
yeah, a great, great push right from the beginning. I'm glad it worked out. So you have a bad time records block. Uh, was it, what does you have? We are the union cat bite, kill Lincoln, bad operation, Jay Navarro and the traders. Yes. I mean, they're rolling deep. If anybody's been online, you know, that bad times represents all over any socials. And obviously they've been putting out music and they've been hitting the road. And when you have the international part and you look at just the United States here, you got to get who's doing the new stuff, right? Yeah. And who's putting that invigoration back into the scene? Because a lot of that, I mean, and you mentioned Jay, right? Jay Navarro's on, on that, that label. Well, one of the reasons you keep Jay going, right? Because all these years is there's new things that invigorate him to go, you know what? Wow. I'm going to put my record out on bad times because I'm finding some new fans and some new ways in. And they all put on great shows too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, Mike and Brent, but they've been really helpful over the years, even though like some of their bands haven't been on, like Cat Bite was on last year. Um, you know, we've just been watching obviously like the social media, like go crazy with We Are The Union and Bad Operations doing a great job. And they all, you know, the music's always solid, you know, so we wanted to reach out and, and see if we could do something more. So we're going to have like a, a Saturday block of just the bad times in the middle of the day, kind of back and forth, like dueling stages. Nice. That reminds me of like, like, I don't know, late nineties, hip hop, mid nineties, hip hop, like whether it's like death row or Rockefeller records, like you, you had all these like artists from those labels and it, and it was a force to be reckoned with. So when you see this and then, Nan did such a ridiculous job on the artwork for that release. It, you just feel that vibe and you feel like these five bands are going to come over, take over, and they're going to rock your face off. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's, it's also cool to have that in a different part of, of the show. So it's like, you know, one of those things is always trying to figure out who's going when, but to have that kind of heat, in a spot that you you may think, oh, well, it's not the headliner spot, but like smack dab right in the middle of everything, like there's nothing you can miss. Yeah. Like you gotta be there. Don't oversleep. And if you're gonna oversleep, bring your lawn chair so you could put it on the on the side of the stage and wake up when the, the music starts. So the other the other act I think that kind of blew my mind the most that you booked is uh Don Letts. Oh that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he's been really, I don't know if you've read his autobiography. Um, but you know, I, I just, I always like had mad respect for Don Letts and kind of his role in, in kind of bridging that, you know, reggae and punk and, and Scott and everything. Um, I read his autobiography, like when I was planning everything last year and just solidified it. And it's, um, really wanted to kind of get him here and announce him early you know, and I, I still need to, to kind of get back to him and see if we can do some early programming and, you know, maybe a book talk or, you know, he just had a documentary come out about him, which is really good. You know, but the, the funny thing is, I don't know if you, do you know, Ken Stewart from the Scatolites? Yes, I do. So Ken, Ken was, I think he was in Columbia like a couple of weeks ago and he's like, Hey, Don Letts is here. I'm going to go talk to him. Like, okay. And he's messaging me and he's like, you know, telling Don, like, I'm so excited. I'm going to see you at Supernova. 
And Don is like, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and even though we've got a book, you know, and Ken's like, it's a music, like a ska festival in Virginia. He's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be there. As long as I'm not dead, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so he was just like he, he's he's kind of was like touring like you know south america so he was like you know he he only kind of plans like a month out so yeah, yeah you know it's not on his radar yet but i'm sure he's gonna have a good time and we're gonna <laughs> love having him don Letts for me is like how many how many stories can i get from him what, what can i hear about from from the clash you know era like for me that's that and that's definitely a, like Hey, can I have your autograph so I could put it on a poster and frame it and send it back to my uncle? Yeah. Because yeah. when I told him you were playing this, he was like, how the heck did you get him? You know, And that goes back to like the iteration of how I found out about all of that music from my uncle. So yeah, that, that one is, that one's for me is like, I can't believe it. Crazy Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everywhere I go in town now, I'm like looking at a venue and like, okay, what can we do with Don Letts here? <laughs> what can we do with sure. Don Letts at this theater? What can we, you know, we'll tr- try to, you know, n- not wear him out, hopefully, but, you know, he's got so many things going on, such a history. I think we people wouldn't want to hear it and see it. Tim, your wife has been involved in the development of this festival. Can you just talk a little bit about the role she's played? Um, She is um you know a collaborator on some of the bands um you know kind of keeps everything on the tracks keeps things i think from getting too insane sometimes in a, in a good way <laughs> that's for sure she's uh, uh kind of uh uh what do you call it like a um utility infielder like a she could play a lot of different roles um um from photographer to graphic designer to like shuttle bus driver <laughs> so now like kind of she's she's done everything uh in the festival and yeah i think um probably if not for her like connections like she's um the people that do all the catering for us like is a, her best friend and then the her best friend's brother-in-law is the guy that does all the sound for us from the very beginning so um he works at a company called showtime sounds his name is mark chauvin and he's like started off just hauling staging down to Fredericksburg, Virginia. And now, you know, he's bringing in big stages. They can put up, um, you know, they go out with acts like Kevin Hart, you know, so they do some, some big things and he's um, kind of pulling in the other direction too, where he wants to put up big scaffolding and, you know, major led screens and they've got all the capabilities to do that, you know, but we're trying to kind of keep the budgets in line until we at least know how many tickets we sell. April is like, she knows just enough of when to let the conversation go into crazy town and then like reel it back. And like, it's amazing how she could kind of get you to do what she wants, even though she lets you kind of do what you want. But you realize that, wait a second, that is a crazy idea. But if we scale it back here, it's even better. Um, and, and at last year's festival, she's also very, um, Listen, don't mess with April. <laughs> That's all I know. Don't mess with April. Very nice. But if you mess, she's going to put everybody in their place and where they need to be. As far and, and, and when you're running a festival like this, from so many different aspects, especially like, you know, last year when there was some partnership with the brewery and some things may or may not have gotten done, 
she's the type of person you want around because there's not much nonsense and she knows that this has got to run smooth so everybody else knows they're having a great time even though some of us are running around like crazy people yeah and i i, th- I think the the goal for 2023 is to to kind of uh give her a little bit more downtime and more fun with her friends and less time like having to be the heavy and enforcer for some of this uh-huh so what are you most looking forward to for uh, 2023's supernova festival we'll close on that yeah well i think you know this time around the the thing that people didn't like last time was the um the food and beer selection and this time around we're doing like a what matt wixon calls a hepcot which is like a <laughs> multiple it's like a village of like you know there's a little tokyo and you know london and Kingston, where the the food and the drinks and the cocktails and the beers will all be from those cities Mm. and there'll be different pavilions for at least that's, that's how we're envisioning it. You know, we'll see when we actually go to, to, you know, get the tents and everything and the bars, what that runs, but that's kind of the vision right now. So, you know, it's more, more than just the bands It's kind of a, a bigger experience and, you know, a lot of, I think, uh, you know, signings by the bands in those areas and, you know, Hopefully people will receive that. Well, I think it will be um, for the bands wise. I, you know, there, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to. Don Letts is, is my top one, but you know, I, I really want to see, you know, hopefully Holly cook comes. I want to see Holly cook. And um, like, I would say the suicide machines are my, my third band. I think going into this year's festival, the, the whole vibe, the look of it, the feel of it from me, a bigger, you know, genre perspective and a marketing perspective. When, when you go in, you know, there's a lot of cohesion. And I think Nan's art, our ideas about the bars and the different little places, the bill, the bands, I, I think that, that to me is where that, that expansion and that, excitement comes and that to me like i really just and being right near the water like i just want to look out and see that or get a drone shot of it and see that and go wow all that planning all that work paid off and when people go there they've always been good about telling us what they liked especially about the festival but i i I kind of just want to blow people's minds yeah. and, and, and people go, I can't believe like, and Tim has, has created this. And that's, that's, that's that next level. I mean, the bands are going to be great. I can't wait for Tokyo because there's just something about bands from Japan and people from Japan that play this music. Like I remember the first time I saw Kimuri. Like my jaw just dropped. I was like, how, how do they do this? They're out of their minds. Like they just didn't stop. They were all over the place. It was chaos. It was great. And I think Tokyo, you know, stylistically, the music's a little different, but to see basically like jazz musicians kind of put that much energy and adrenaline into it and like just see a whole crowd of people swaying, that's that to me is is that's the band I'm looking forward to. I think that um the festival to me feels like 
taking ska serious in a way that um, it needs to be taken seriously. And uh, for that, I, I am most appreciative of what you guys are doing. Well, that means a lot coming from the guy who wrote a book in defense of ska. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Aaron. I mean, that's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it because that's what we're going for. And, you know, people can talk all they want, but somewhere along the lines, and I think you've been diving into this with your with your podcast, somewhere along the lines, you've either liked ska, know somebody that's like your brother that likes ska, or you've listened to a kind of ska band, but maybe not, or you thought would not. And like, so that the, the genre of spider webs out there, but I think if people see this festival, I think they will take it serious because they'll be like, wow, this is put together and these bands are killing it. Don't go anywhere. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to our Patreon. Thank you for listening to In Defense of Scott. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at In Defense of Scott. Pick up Aaron's book, In Defense of Scott, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host Adam Davis of Omnigon, leaving you by saying Ska now more than ever. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024 these are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.